What's going on, family? Good day to everybody, and I hope that you all are doing incredibly well. You totally deserve good things, amazing things, incredible things, and I'm here to talk about those things. Shout out to all of you who are joining us by way of podcast. If you are subscribed, thank you so much. If you're not, go ahead and subscribe today. Definitely appreciate that. And then a shout out to all of you who follow us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. It means the world. And for those of you who follow me on TikTok as well at Bonnerfied, thank you for doing that. Thank you for your commentary. Thank you for, as my good friend Brian H. Waters said the other day, going down the rabbit hole on the great wrestling commentary that we're bringing to you guys about all sorts of things going on in the wrestling world. I'm going to start by making a request. Hopefully you won't deny my request. And that is this. Obviously give us a follow in all those spaces at The Faction Show. You can follow me at Bonnerfied on TikTok and all the other places. But what topics would you like for us to do a video on? That's what I wanna know. So hit me up either via DM or on the post for this particular podcast. Hit me up, let me know what you want me to talk about and we will dig into that on a future video that we'll make sure you guys check out. Now then, if you checked out our last episode, we began our recap of Memorial Day weekend in the world of wrestling because an awful lot happened, including Impact Wrestling's Under Siege and WWE's Night of Champions. We talked about those. Today, we're gonna be talking about NXT's premium live event that would be NXT Battleground and AEW's Double or Nothing. But first, a quick reminder or a quick piece of information in case you did not know, New Japan Pro Wrestling had an event this weekend as well as if we didn't have enough to check out as they brought to us the finale of the Best of the Super Junior 30 tournament, which really has been incredible. The tournament took place for an entire month and it ended with a great event that happened Sunday morning here in the States. I can talk about some of the results, but I think probably the biggest piece that you'll want to know is who won the best of the Super Juniors, and that would be Master Wato, who defeated Teton in 24 minutes and 48 seconds, an incredible moment for sure. There were some other great matches that took place, multi-man matches, etc., but shout out again to Master Wato, who wins the best of the Super Juniors, but now we need to talk about what happened this past Sunday, as for the first time in a very long time, we had NXT Battleground and AEW Double or Nothing actually happening at the same time, going head to head. So before I get into these results, I want to just talk about the significance of this because I recognize that there is a portion of our audience that did not live through the Monday Night Wars. Now, I know that might sound crazy to some, but I've worked with some people that did not live through the Monday Night Wars. And let's consider this. It's 2023. If you're 21 years old or younger, you you were not alive during the Monday Night War. If you were 25 years old and younger, you likely don't remember the Monday Night Wars because you were a toddler. You've heard about them by way of DVDs and stories and, and internet moments, but you didn't live through that. So let me tell you what this past Sunday did for me. It literally took me back to the Monday Night Wars where every single week you had Nitro versus Raw. WCW Monday Nitro, WWE Monday Night Raw, literally going head-to-head every Monday night 
night. And here was the real issue. We didn't have DVR in the mid 90s. The best thing you could do is tape one on your VCR and watch the other live, or you could switch back and forth. Or if you had two TVs, you had them on both channels. It was a crazy time in the world of wrestling, a fun time. And it's even more rare to have two pay-per-views go head to head. I often think about 1988 where WCW put together the first ever Clash of the Champions, which went head to head with WrestleMania 4. Clash of the Champions was on free television. WrestleMania 4 was on pay-per-view. Wild time. So let's fast forward to 2023 and get into NXT Battleground, which took place in Lowell, Massachusetts at the Songus Center. And let's get into these results because it was a historic night on many, many fronts. The card kicked off with the NXT North American champion, Wes Lee, successfully defending against Tyler Bate and Joe Gacy. Noam Dar retained the NXT Heritage Cup Championship against Dragon Lee. Ilya Dragunov defeats Dijak in a last man standing match. The NXT Tag Team Champions, Gallus, successfully defended against the Creed Brothers. Tiffany Stratton defeats Lyra Valkyria to become the new NXT Women's Champion. And in the main event, Carmelo Hayes retains the NXT Championship by defeating Braun Breaker. There were a lot of incredible moments during this NXT Premium Live event. And I know if there are those who are fans of the black and gold who are listening to this podcast, you love and likely miss NXT TakeOver. Just do yourself a favor randomly. Go back sometime this week and just pick an NXT TakeOver. Pick one, anyone. You'll see just how amazing the NXT TakeOver era really, really was. With that said, I think NXT is getting back to form in bringing us premium live events that really are reminiscent of the NXT TakeOver era. What we're seeing right now with Wesley as a North American champion is nothing short of phenomenal. And I'm going to be daring enough to say that Wesley is the hottest commodity right now in all of NXT. Yes, I said it even hotter than Carmelo Hayes. And I'll explain why once we get to that main event. But Wesley made history by having now the most successful title defenses of any North American champion in history. That covers a lot of ground from Adam Cole to the Velveteen Dream and lots of people in between. Shout out to Wesley, who had an incredible match against Tyler Bate and Joe Gacy. Let's talk about Noam Dar and the NXT Heritage Cup Championship. He defeats Dragon Lee only after interference from Jakara Jackson, Lash Legend, and then Oro Mensa being in the corner for this match. Very interesting. So in here, we saw a lot happen. We see really Dragon Lee almost becoming champion, forming a great partnership, I think, with Nathan Frazier. At the same time, we see the establishing of Noam Dar. Now, I'm going to talk about why this is important. For one, we've not seen an NXT UK talent be a champion and retain their title since NXT and NXT UK have merged. Tyler Bate, of course, 
lost his NXT UK Championship in a title unification match. Mako Satamora lost the UK Women's Championship in a title unification match. Now, I will say the other talent from NXT UK that has really done a great job has been Gallus, as they are the current tag team champions, but they didn't come over as the UK champion. So, for Noam Dar, this is a big moment. I like seeing Noam Dar presented this way and the UK Heritage Championship in this way. But let me tell you what else is big. What's big is this new faction that seems to be formed or forming involving Jakara Jackson, Lash Legend, and Oro Mensa. I like this. I don't know what they're calling themselves, but I like this. I like with a faction when you are able to take talent that perhaps has not been viewed or seen or presented correctly and you give them purpose, you give them opportunity. We're seeing this happen with the Judgment Day right now. And in a year's time, everybody has eaten and eaten well from Rhea to Finn, who's had a career resurgence. Damian Priest now being presented in world championship conversations. And of course, we all have seen the rise of Dominic Mysterio. I'm hoping that the same kind of fortune will find this new faction headed up by Noam Dar. I like everything about this. I can't wait to see what they're going to do in the future. Now, I talked about brutality with the Impact Under Siege pay-per-view. This Ilya Dragunov versus Dijak match, man, I think Ilya Dragunov is such a glutton for punishment. He's the train wreck that you cannot turn away from. He's going to take a massive beating. We think about his matches, of course, with Gunther, formerly known as Walter, over the UK Championship. Just incredible, incredible matches. And this match with him and Dijak, five-star. No doubt about it. What a match between Ilya Dragunov and Dijak. I think it's safe to say the most brutal last man standing match we've ever seen. Gallus gets a big win over the Creed Brothers. Shout out to them. I like what Gallus is doing as a tag team. I also like Ivy Nile on top of all things connected to Diamond Mine. The departure of Roderick Strong was so silent and just not handled well that I think now finally giving leadership to Diamond Mine with Ivy Nile just makes sense and I hope that it does some great things for the Creed Brothers going forward. Tiffany Stratton versus Lyra Valkyria. I think we all knew coming into this that once Stratton won that semifinal match last week that she was going to be the one to become the NXT Women's Champion. I think it's a good move for a few reasons. I think she represents NXT 2.0, but also what NXT is supposed to be, giving young new talent an opportunity to grow. Again, let's think about this. For the seven years or so that Mandy Rose was in WWE, we really did not pay proper attention to her until her NXT Women's Championship run, where she finally came into her own. I think this title has done that for so many. It established Charlotte. It established Sasha. It established Bailey. It established Asuka, who is the greatest NXT Women's Champion of all time. You can throw Paige's name in there and so many others. It did that for Mandy. And I think if Tiffany manages to stay healthy, it'll do that for her as well. I'm excited to see what this championship run is going to do. Now let's talk about the NXT Championship match, Carmelo Hayes and Braun Breaker. Braun Braun Breaker 
leading up to this, had pretty much stalked Carmelo Hayes and beat him down every opportunity possible. Carmelo Hayes walks away with a win, but what's interesting about this rivalry to me is twofold. Number one, Braun Breaker has gained a new lease on life. Evil Braun Breaker is what we needed. I think him being happy-go-lucky Braun with a bit of an edge just didn't fit. Him being this evil, bad, in the lineage of Scott Steiner just makes sense for him. Carmelo Hayes. I think it's interesting watching what's happening with Carmelo Hayes. I think Carmelo is really starting to find his way as the NXT champion. But I think part of the challenge here is this. We had a heel and slightly arrogant Carmelo Hayes coming into his own as champion. I think the nicer, kinder Carmelo Hayes isn't hitting as much as as perhaps we want it to. And it feels like lurking in the background is Trick Williams, who it feels like any day now is going to turn on Carmelo Hayes. So I'm very interested to see how this championship run is going. I wasn't overwhelmed by this match, admittedly. And again, I think Carmelo is finding his way. It's one of the reasons why I say Wesley is the hottest commodity right now in NXT. But shout out to Carmelo Hayes. I am here for the ride for as long as this championship ride goes. All right. So that was a look at NXT Battleground. When we come back, we're going to have the conversation about the pay-per-view that literally happened at the exact same time as Battleground. It's AEW Double or Nothing. We'll get into that when we come back. This is the Stroke Daddy Ricky Starks, and you know I only do it one way, and that's big. You're not listening to The Faction. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. They were starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people. I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. Hey, guys, How about that? Oh. The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. A few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine. COVID. 
I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there is a them and there is a you, there will always be a S-H-W. Attention wrestling fans, join us Friday, June 9th at the Action Building in Canton, Georgia for SHW 51. The semifinals of the Jake the Snake Legacy Championship Tournament take place as Chip Day battles Shoot Taylor and Bryce Cannon goes one-on-one -on -one with the Kenway. The co-winners of the 2022 GWH Wrestler of the Year Award finally face off in a match with a huge stipulation in place. If AC Mack wins, he becomes the sole Wrestler of the Year. However, if Nick Halen wins, Mack must leave SHW for good. And in our main event, a feud that has become very personal finally comes to a head as Happy Madness puts their SHW Tag Team titles on the line in a tables match versus the Hierarchy. Plus, we'll hear from Todd Sexton and the new Southern Honor Champion, Judas. All this and so much more. Tickets go on sale at the door the night of the show starting at 5 p.m. Doors open at 7, bell time at 8. Spread the word and let's pack the action building for another unforgettable night. Come see why we are SHW and this is our wrestling. This is Caprice Coleman, and you're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. That's right, the man with the style, the grace, the shape, and the face. Support Bonafide Radio, The Faction. Keep it on, baby. Head-to-head -head competition happened, really, for the first time since the new Wednesday Night War that pitted AEW versus NXT. So I guess it only makes sense now that we would have Double or Nothing versus Battleground happening this past Sunday. And so... It took place, of course, in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. It kicked off with the buy-in, which I'll start with all of these results, and then I'll tell you about takeaways and observations regarding AEW Double or Nothing. This thing started with a trio's grudge match that saw Matt and Jeff Hardy and the FTW champion Hook defeat all ego Ethan Page and the guns. Dr. Martha Hart would join Renee Paquette for the opening ceremonies of the Owen Hart Foundation Tournament. Then we had the pay-per-view beginning, which saw the AEW International Championship Blackjack Battle Royal. Say that five times fast. At the end of the day, Orange Cassidy retains the AEW International Championship by eliminating Swerve Strickland. In the unsanctioned match, Adam Cole with Roderick Strong and Sabu, defeats Chris Jericho with the Jericho Appreciation Society. FTR retains the AEW World Tag Team Championships by defeating Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Wardlow retains the TNT Championship by defeating Christian Cage in a ladder match. We've got a new AEW Women's World Champion as Tony Storm defeated Jamie Hayter. The House of Black retained the AEW World Trios Championships by defeating the acclaimed Jade Cargill goes 60-0 by defeating Taya Valkyrie to retain the TBS Championship. But then an impromptu TBS Championship match happens thanks to smart Mark Sterling, and it results in Chris Statlander making her return to AEW and defeating Jade Cargill to become the new TBS Champion. 
And there was a double main event for this pay-per-view. It saw MJF defeat Darby Allin, Jack Perry, and Sammy Guevara to retain the AEW World Championship. And in the second main event, it was Anarchy in the Arena as the Elite took on the Blackpool Combat Club with a win for the Blackpool Combat Club. All right, let's dig into all things AEW Double or Nothing. So my first observation from this is that AEW has leveled up. All right, let me explain what I mean. Now, of course, AEW had a major announcement just a couple of weeks ago, a brand new show called Collision, which is debuting on June the 17th in Chicago on TNT. Great times, of course, AEW having massive days of ticket sales for their Wembley Stadium show for AEW All In. Already over 67,000 tickets sold and counting. It's some great times for AEW. But let me tell you what I think they did that really changed the trajectory of this pay-per-view and made it special. They utilized Renee Paquette. They actually had, instead of four or five matches in this buy-in they only had one match in the buy-in and instead they actually did what they were supposed to do and got us hyped for the pay-per-view utilizing the skills of Renee Paquette who of course had done countless pre-shows for WWE this was something that made sense let me tell you another production thing that actually worked actually having pre-match promos airing before these matches telling the stories of these matches to get us vested in for folks who might have missed weeks of dynamite who need to understand why these stories make sense these are the small things that make you go from good to great it is a great great moment to see that aew is finally starting to get these secrets that i think have made wwe great for the longest of times Tell the story. Get people invested into why we should pay attention to this match. Don't just make the assumption that everybody watched Dynamite and Rampage because everybody didn't. So this alone made this pay-per-view something very, very special. Virtually all of the matches, with the exception of maybe one, had these pre-match promos that were aired. These pre-match packages, which I just think... They did a great job on fantastic work. Only having one match during the buy-in is great. Matter of fact, if you've seen what WWE has moved to, they don't even have pre-show matches anymore. So again, this is a move in the right direction for AEW, and I love seeing this. Now then, is anybody hotter at AEW than Orange Cassidy? As a champion, he's killing it. And so now that he's won this Blackjack Battle Royal, what's next? Who do you put in there? Now, I'll tell you, I liked seeing him in there with Swerve. I think if they get a one-on-one -on -one match, we could see something happen. Maybe it's time for Ricky Starks to get an opportunity as well, as he was one of the final competitors in this whole situation. But a big, big win there for Orange Cassidy, who is becoming a fixture. I think we're seeing the international championship on our televisions more than the TNT title, which you could argue is their TV championship. So shout out to Orange Cassidy. From there, this Adam Cole-Chris Jericho match was great. Seeing the involvement of Britt Baker, seeing her get her lick back on Chris Jericho. 
all the sense in the world. I love everything about this. This is absolutely great and a big win for Adam Cole. Now, with it being an unsanctioned match, it won't count on the record either for or against anyone. And it's leading us into a mixed tag match happening on Dynamite as Adam Cole and Britt Baker take on Chris Jericho and Soraya. We get the TNT Championship ladder match. Wardlow versus Christian Cage. Again, seeing Christian do his thing in a ladder match is always a win. Seeing, again, how Wardlow maneuvered around this was also something that I thought was very interesting. A big win there for Wardlow retaining the title. Now then to the Women's World Championship. Tony Storm regains the title, becoming the first ever two-time women's champion in AEW, defeating Jamie Hayter. This was a bit of a lopsided match, and I think they took full advantage of the injury to Jamie Hayter. I will tell you why I think this makes sense. This makes sense because you're setting up, and it seemed a little obvious to me, but you're setting up things for AEW's all in at Wembley Stadium, where I think it's going to be a major moment of Jamie Hayter walking into Wembley Stadium with 70,000 plus winning and regaining this championship against Tony Storm. I think it just makes all kinds of sense. And I think we're setting up for that. Let me tell you something that I'm enjoying. I am enjoying the House of Black as your World Trios champions. I love that they have specific rules and stipulations for these trio matches. I love the setting, the lighting, the ambiance, and it gives the House of Black the opportunity to do what we always believe they could do. Be great trios champions. So congratulations to them. A big win over the acclaimed. A lot of people are talking about this one. The TBS Championship match. Jade Cargill versus Taya Valkyrie. Can we talk about the entrances for both of these amazing competitors? Taya Valkyrie, a great entrance coming down to music, of course, brought to us by the great Josiah Williams, a.k.a. Russell and Flo. But Jade Cargill. Coming out to that super popular song, which has been viral all over the socials, but then coming out in the pink and green, her AKA year, stepping with her line sisters, bringing this cultural phenomenon to an AEW audience is massive. And I've got to tell you something. I don't know what we did to be able to deserve this black girl magic that has been on our televisions for the last couple of years. I don't know if we're really paying attention to the era. I won't say that has ended because I do think it's intriguing that both Jade Cargill and Bianca Belair lose their women's championships on the same weekend. That's interesting. I don't know what it means, but it's interesting. But to see Jade Cargill be so unapologetically black. And I mean, think about this. What did we do to deserve her coming out in her full AKA gear? What did we do to deserve her being fully Jamaican, fully an athlete, built like a Greek goddess, getting a 60-0 and undefeated streak, and being a TBS champion for over 500 days? And this is the start of her career. What did we do? To get the right and privilege to see a Bianca Belair now have the longest reign of a women's champion in the modern era. 
longer than Becky Lynch, longer than Charlotte Flair, longer than Bailey, longer than Sasha, longer than any of the folks that had been presented as horsewomen or the one. Man, this is exciting. So I hope that as a people, as a culture, we're able to look at what happened this weekend and not read it incorrectly. At some point, Bianca and Jade had to lose their titles, right? Although I think what it also proved is that none of us are really ready for them to lose their championships. Now, shout out to Chris Statlander, who's the new TBS champion. What a great way to come back. And I think having her come back in this Money in the Bank-esque style is a win. It keeps Jade strong. But let me also explain why Jade had to lose the TBS championship sooner than later. Because it's time for Jade Cargill to be mentioned in the AEW Women's World title conversation. I think that can finally happen now, now that she's no longer the TBS champion. But right now, I want to take this time to salute both Jade Cargill and Bianca Belair for the ways in which they have represented the culture. I think there are a lot of people, men and women, who were able to see a different image of what pro wrestling excellence looks like. And what will be the second half of the year for both of these amazing women, time will soon tell, but their stars have not lost any glitter or any shine with them losing their championships this weekend. Now, during our last show, we talked a bit about the triple main event syndrome over at Night of Champions. Well, we end up with a double main event here at Double or Nothing. And it's interesting that the world title match did not go on last. Part of me wonders how MJF and that whole crew feels about that since that was billed as the main event for the entire lead up until Double or Nothing, until Double or Nothing, where they mentioned that there was a double main event pretty incredible but i also think that it's aew's acknowledgement of just how hot this story is between the blackpool combat club and the elite and honestly it was going to be hard to follow that match mjf retains as the aew world champion admittedly and i try not to do too much opinion but i'll say this i'm a little over this title reign for mjf like i really am let me tell you what was one of the most telling graphics you know how on AEW they will tell you or tell people what the record is for that competitor for this year or whatever? How about MJF's record this year was 2-0? and The man's wrestled two matches and we're at the end of May. What have you been doing as the world champion? And you won that world title in 2022. What are we doing? I don't understand. At any rate, MJF is still your world champion in AEW. Now then we move to the Anarchy in the Arena match. And so perhaps there are no two teams better suited for this than the Elite with the addition of Hangman Adam Page and the Blackpool Combat Club. I love this rivalry for so many reasons. And let me just say I love that the BCC got the win on this one. I do. They're special. Kenny Omega taking the pin. We see, of course, now a turn from Konosuke Takeshita, who is partnering, of course, with Don Callis. Are they a part of the Blackpool Combat Club? Are they BCC adjacent? I don't know. But what I do know is the stories in AEW are getting better. I enjoyed this pay-per-view from start to finish for everything that I mentioned. It had all of the things in it. It had the things that we'd be talking about. And I'm glad that we're talking more about the pay-per-view 
then the media scrum. So thank you, AEW. We're now on the road to Forbidden Door at the end of June. What will happen there? Time will soon tell. We'll have to be on the lookout for that. Also, Collision starts for AEW. A big month happening in the month of June. So congratulations to them. So did you watch any of these pay-per-views or premium live events that we've talked about over these last two shows? Which ones did you watch? Which ones did you enjoy? Let me know right now on the socials at the faction show all right family until next time representing for my good brothers courtney beard brandon clack and the fourth horseman the ep john murray i am gerard bonner and this is the faction <laughs>